Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, Steve McDonald. Have we had enough of this snow yet? (laughs) I don't know where you're watching today's broadcast from, but I hope the weather is better where you are than where we are because it's still very white here and we're looking forward to spring. So bring it on. Today we begin an all-new five-week message series called Come and See. And as we journey to Easter, this message series will zoom in on Jesus and his interaction with others during his time on earth. For skeptics and seekers, come and see means to come and, and think. Come and examine the evidence. And most importantly, experience the hope of Christ. For Christ followers, come and see means to come and, and be a disciple of Jesus. It's a call to faith that trusts him not just for our salvation, but for every minute of every day. It's a call to the kind of life that is overflowing in abundance, which can only be found in him. And if we're open to the Spirit's leading, we will be changed by that same power that Jesus displayed in his ministry on earth so that we, in turn, can extend an invitation to others to come and see for themselves. You know, whenever Susan and I have the opportunity to take some vacation, we still kind of respond the same way when it comes to what the morning looks like. She's actually an early riser, so she's got a hot coffee and she's up with the sun. For me, I like to sleep in a little bit and relax. I'm not so much of a morning person, And so we're a little different when it comes to how we wake up. But usually after I wake up when we're on vacation, she'll tell me about how amazing the the sunrise was. All the colors, you should have seen it. And I'll do my best to kind of show some interest and say, oh wow, that's, that's fantastic. Maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. And then the next morning arrives and I can hear her saying, get up, come and see this. So being a good husband, I lift my head up, I have a quick look, and I say, wow, that's, that's beautiful. And then I fall fast asleep very quickly. And usually on the third day, I'll make a concentrated effort to get up out of bed, to sit in the chair with her, and experience the sunrise for myself. Because usually what I hear when I wake up on that day is, oh, you... It's the, the colors are even better than they were yesterday. Come and see. And so we sit together, we watch the sun rise, and it shimmers across the water, and it's incredible. And I'm so glad that I got up and took that moment together. You know, I had an opportunity once with a group of pastors to travel and minister in Israel. And one particular evening, we were staying for the night at a place right on the Sea of Galilee. And so throughout the night, I'm still dealing with the effects of jet lag. And so I find myself kind of wide awake, very early in the morning, staring at the ceiling. But I could hear Susan's voice in the back of my mind saying, get up, get up, come and see this. 
And so I think, when am I going to be in this part of the world again? i got to see what the sunrise looks like over the Sea of Galilee. So I will make my way up the, the emergency exit stairs to actually the roof of the place that we were staying. And in the darkness, I sit in that quietness, and I wait, and I watch. And I can see the sliver of light coming up slowly, slowly, but surely, and kind of making its way reflectively across the water. I can see fishermen gathering their nets and getting ready to go out for the day. And I can't help but think in that moment as I was looking at it that there was probably a time when Jesus himself was up early praying in the morning and was seeing a view that was very similar to what I was seeing. And in that moment, it was such a God moment. It was absolutely amazing. But I'm glad I responded to my wife's words to come and see. Because some things can, can only be experienced in person. Even the best stories that we hear, they pale in comparison to experiencing it yourself. In the book of John, in the first chapter, verses 43 through 46, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found his friend Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. The one about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. What was his response? Come and see, Philip said. Come and see. I'd like to show you a scene today from The Chosen. For those of you that don't know, it's a multi-season series about the, the life of Christ and his disciples that's actually funded by the generosity of its viewers. Now this particular clip, used with permission, gives us a unique glimpse into that moment when Philip led Nathaniel to Jesus. And it also serves as the scriptural and inspirational basis for our new Come and See message series. Now, I was telling our staff today that despite my very best efforts when watching this show, I seem to, to, to weep at some point during every single episode. There in the darkness, Susan will look over and say, are you crying? And I'm like, no, no, I'm completely fine. But for whatever reason, it's just so well written and so well produced that, that, that I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. And so if you want more information on where you can view it, go to angelstudios.com and you'll find all of that information there. You can even contribute to its future production. So let's watch that clip together. So what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought you were out making enemies all over the place. I'm about to make a whole lot more enemies all over the place. John sent me to someone new. Oh, you sure know how to pick him. He's not just anyone. That's what you said about the baptizer. And I was right. But this is more. Mm. This is who the baptizer has been preparing us for. Mm. Nathaniel. He's the one. The one? The one who Moses foretold and the prophet said would come. The one? 
the one. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Oh, <laughs> little dump on a craggy hilltop. I'm serious. No paved roads, no public buildings. <laughs> they barely have a synagogue. You can't. You really can't. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling it like it is. Why can't I do that? Because you're mean. The families, illiterate day laborers and peasants, by the way, sleep under the same roof as their livestock. Listen to me. Honestly, Philip, saying the one is a Nazarene is practically heresy. Just come and see. Now, the book of John serves as, as kind of our, our base camp for this five-week series as we, as we endeavor to climb this mountain of truth that's found in this amazing book. Then, hopefully, when we're finished and we step into the celebration of Easter, I believe that we'll have a better grasp on effective evangelism and discipleship as modeled in the life of Jesus. Now, John's purpose in writing this book is to, to provoke faith in Jesus, resulting in eternal life, that you may believe. But it could also be translated that you may continue to believe. So John here was likely writing to call unbelievers to faith in Jesus, but he was also trying to, to provide confidence and encouragement for those believers who are still struggling in their newfound faith. You see, come and see, evangelism was never meant to be about just inviting people to church or getting them to believe a certain set of, of laws and principles. It is and always has been about introducing them to the living reality of the person of Jesus Christ. Come and see. So what exactly does that mean? Well, firstly, come and see means to, to come and think. Examine the evidence. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I know for me, when I first came to, to, to the knowledge of who Jesus was in my life, I had questions for everybody that I saw. You see, when Nathaniel shot back and challenged Philip after he told him about Jesus and said, Nazareth, can anything good come from that place? Philip didn't get defensive. He didn't rebuke him. Philip didn't try to even defend who Jesus was. Instead, he encouraged him to come and see for himself. He was going to take him with him. He was engaging him to, to come and to, to think. You see, old school religion demands compliance and acceptance and discourages our questions. And, and Jesus here is, is not doing that at all. He's inviting them to engage their, their mind, to, to examine the proofs that are set before them. And so when John's disciples started to, to follow Jesus, Jesus actually turned around and, and said, what do you want? He questioned them. He wanted them to think. He wanted them to understand what they were doing. John 1, 38 to 39, this is their response. They said, Rabbi, which also means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. In other, words, in other words, what Jesus was saying, come and see what I say. Come and see how I live, what I do, how I spend my time. Come and get to know me. Jesus wasn't demanding their obedience at this point. He had just met them. 
He was saying, come and walk with me. Obedience to his word follows teaching them truth as disciples. But first, he invites them to come and to think. I'm sure that they were a little nervous at this point, but they trusted John, who they had been following. And so they wanted to see if what they had been hearing about Jesus was actually true before they made a decision as to whether they were going to follow him or not. You know what? Maybe the people that you're talking to about church or about Jesus are like modern-day Nathaniels. Maybe some of you today have, have questions of your own about who he is. And I want you to know that that's okay, that that's actually encouraged. Now, you likely wouldn't be asking the same questions as Nathaniel was asking, but you might be saying something like, Christianity? How, how can a, a loving and merciful God uh, be, be there and in existence when we live in a world like we live in? A world when, when we look out, we see all these injustice. Why? How can, the, how can a merciful God be in existence? So what would Jesus say to you? Not talking about what religion would say to you, because religion often gets it wrong. But what would Jesus say to you? Well, I'll tell you what he wouldn't say. He wouldn't say what woke spirituality uh, believes, which is just, just do what's right for you. No critical thinking necessary. You do you and find your own path. No, Jesus wasn't saying that at all. Instead, he's, he's welcoming you to come and to think. Come and see for yourself. Come and examine that evidence. He's also not saying what old religion says, which is how dare you question what we're telling you today or, or how we do what we do. You need to accept what we're telling you because we're telling you to do it. No, that's not the way Jesus was. You know, I love leaders like Pastor Brad here at the church who leads our student ministries because he encourages questions from this new emerging group of leaders. He encourages them to think, to, to understand, so that they'll be grounded in their faith. So that when the wind blows and when things happen in their life, they've got something strong and secure to stand on. You know what? They're not going to survive on the faith of their parents. Our, our faith in our children's life certainly helps to guide them to that place. But at some point, they need to make a decision for themselves. They need to experience Jesus on their own. They need to come and see for themselves. Now, we don't have the same liberty that we did back in John's day to, to come and see, literally, to go to, to the area that Jesus is in and spend the day with them. That would be amazing. We don't have the liberty to sit down at dinner and talk to him and ask him a bunch of questions. But we do have a first-hand account, like the writings of John, to experience that same truth today. John wasn't telling stories. He wasn't telling an, a, a legend. He was giving a first-hand account of the things that he was experiencing. At the end of the day, it's either all true or none of it's true. And, it, and for each of us, it's a leap of faith. John was saying, read uh, my account. Read about my experience so that you can experience it too. The next thing that come and see means is to come and to follow. You know, our lives change during the process of the, the following of Jesus. 
The word come simply means to, to move from where you are to here. You make the change. You decide. And the reason Jesus says come is because he wants, he wants them and he wants you and I to follow him. He doesn't just want them to, to believe. He wants them to follow. You know, the first time John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God was in verse 29 of this first chapter. But it's not until the next day, Scripture says, in verses 36 through 37, when he says it again, look, the Lamb of God, that finally they actually followed. John was pretty patient with, with those that were following him. Sometimes we need to hear something more than once before it sinks into our heart and becomes a revelation and a reality. John 1, 35 through 37 says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, and this is the second time he said it, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard this, when they heard him say it, they followed Jesus. You know, there's a big difference between a fan and a follower. Jesus had plenty of fans, but not as many true followers. You see, one is, is interested, but the other is invested. And that's what John is trying to, to convey here in his recognition of who Jesus is. This is the Lamb of God. He wants them to move past liking him, right? And, and being a fan, to loving him, to, to knowing him, so that, that they then became followers of Christ, you see, a disciple has invested their lives and committed to, to learn and to grow and to change. These are people that don't just buy the merch and wear the t-shirt. They're all in at this point. So how does this happen in our lives? Well, it has everything to do with the one that we're following. Let's look at the same chapter, chapter 1 in verse 51. Jesus starts by saying, very truly, I tell you, or literally and better translated, amen, amen, I'm telling you this, basically. Now, the word amen here was an Aramaic word that means this is true. Now, every historian and commentator and everybody that knew and understood ancient culture recognizes that this is a very unique use of the word here by Jesus. Amen was usually used to affirm and a, a, approve of an account and accredit the words to another after someone had, had spoken. Like when someone was preaching in the synagogue, the elders would stand up and they would say, Amen. Why? This is their, their way of kind of saying, you know what, we've checked it out. And according to our understanding of Scripture, this is true. We approve of this message. So, the people even would stand or, or in that moment say amen. That was their way of acknowledging this moment. But here, this is the eternally powerful thing about what Jesus was saying in verse 51 because he starts with the words amen. He doesn't just say it once, he says it twice, amen and amen. And then he speaks the truth. You see, that's very unique, very important for us to understand in the old King James, it's usually translated verily, verily. But people still miss the significance here. But by saying amen, amen at the beginning of what he's about to say, Jesus is basically saying, I, I take away your right to decide whether or not what I'm saying is true. 
or, or something that you will like or even follow. He's saying, amen, amen, listen to me. Whether you choose to believe what I'm saying or not doesn't change the fact that what I'm saying is true. And that truly he's, he's the, the focus and author of this moment. Listen, if you come and see and believe, all you have to do is accept that the Bible is reliable reporting. That this account is, is credible. But if you want to know Jesus in a personal way, you've got to come and follow him and believe that, that what the word of God says is true, whether we like it or not. You see, we can't pick and choose what truths in Scripture we like to suit our own needs. We either believe it all or not at all. You see, when we refuse to accept the authority of Scripture, we're actually following our own heart instead of following Jesus. But as Christ followers, we're, we're not exempt still from wrestling with these truths, right? These truths that have been given to change us. Listen, sometimes it's not easy to, 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 to accept those truths. But when we come and follow him, we walk through it together. And then finally, come and see means come and grow. Lasting growth happens as we come and live in community and process Jesus at work in our lives with our friends. See here, John the Baptist leads Andrew to Jesus. Andrew leads his brother Peter to Jesus. Philip leads Nathaniel to Jesus. And when Philip leads Nathaniel, he says, let's go together. Let's, let's grow together. John 1:46. at the beginning, it says, come and see said Philip. Come with me. Let's do this together. Now, obviously there's exceptions, but most times the way that you find Christ and know him in a personal way is, is almost always through a friend. I love what Timothy Keller once said. He said, you're not going to find Jesus unless you've already been found by a friend who already found Jesus. A lot of you found Jesus through a friend. And in order for lasting growth to, to take place in your life, you need friends around you to, to help process what you're learning. My life has forever changed by encountering Christ in the lives of those that are, that are they're the friends that surround me. You see, surrounding yourself by these different kinds of people is the key to our growth. We need people that are a couple of steps ahead of us in our spiritual understanding. We need people that, that are walking with us in the same place of our own spiritual understanding. And we also need people that may be a couple of steps behind us that, that are still learning. And see, by doing this, by surrounding ourselves with these kinds of people, we will continue learning from others, living with others, and leading others that are still learning. Now here at Calvary, the fastest way to do this is to, is to get into a small group. If you're not in a Calvary group, you're not really connected to the life of the church. We are so much better together. I need you and you need me. So let's, let's be patient with others like John was with his disciples. And let's be full of courage and confidence like, like Philip was when he invited Nathaniel to come and see. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word at work within us. 
I thank you that, that when you call us and tell us to come and see, to spend time with you, to, to listen to you, to, to live like you, that, Father, we will engage our thinking, that we will follow you, that we will ask the questions that we need to, to strengthen our walk with you and to surround ourselves with others to help us process these truths so that we will grow deeper in our faith. That when the wind blows, and we know that it will, that we will stand strong because of what and who we believe in. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.